Hey, what up? It's Podcast Rebellion. We are back at it again here in the Second Line Studio Legal Gambling Council Week 13 Holiday Edition uh, Round 1. we got Thanksgiving. Uh, everybody needs to put some respect on Thanksgiving's name. I see all these people out there putting up their Christmas trees hanging up uh, their, you know, their their mistletoe and putting holly all over the damn place. Thanksgiving deserves some respect. So we just need to chill out a little bit. Do what I do. Go out the day after Thanksgiving to go get your tree, and then you can go ham. Uh, I'm your host, Zach Berry. Joining me, Austin Gray, our legal gambling counsel, and Nicholas Carr. We are Woodhouseless this evening. He had some uh, holiday plans. I believe the term is wood homeless. That's right. Wood homeless. <laughs> wood homeless. Okay, that's good. Um, so Ben is not with us. We uh, we wish him well uh, in his endeavors this evening. But Austin and Nick are here. Gentlemen, how are we? Good, good. You're talking about Nick's favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. Yeah, you literally, you could have just said, Nick, don't do this. Just at Nick. your Christmas tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I love Christmas. I love I love the holidays in general, but we do too. Look at my look at my outside. But I mean, just you, you know, like they've already got Christmas music on the radio. I mean, damn, just pulling Thanksgiving's pants down and then shoving them down a flight of stairs. It's <laughs> it's bad. So, uh, but we're not here to talk about Thanksgiving versus Christmas. We are here to discuss lines for Week 13. We need to go ahead and get these picks in now before they postpone any more games. Um, I was unaware that Texas and or, no Oklahoma is now Oklahoma West Virginia is now off the board. Um, so we need to go ahead and get this going. Nick, I'm going to throw you the keys. We will go ahead and get started. Uh, full disclosure: We will give you uh, Ben gave us his locks, his three locks of the week. So we will get those to you. We will get twelve locks to you. So Nick, take it away. All right, we were discussing before we started about how it seems like there's all co- all conference games, but yet every game, like, I don't know, sucks. And, I mean, I'm looking through the lines here, and, I, and the SEC's found the only possible scenario that you can have six games this week, uh, not only one of which is uh, a point spread of under 10 games. So we're looking at 21s, a couple 25s in there. So it's going to be rough, but I very quickly – We'll start off with uh, Kentucky at Florida. The line is uh, Florida minus 25 and a half at over under 61. I'm just going to be quick here. Florida, big. I think this is their last game before they start gearing down, getting ready for Atlanta. And I just don't think Kentucky can score. Yeah, if, if Kentucky had had the season that we had sort of expected out of Kentucky early on, I would have loved them catching this many points in this spot with Florida trying to just get through the end of the year with one loss, um, make their way into the SEC championship game, and sneak into the playoff. But Kentucky, look, the wheels came off basically after their Ole Miss loss. Since then, they've not done anything on offense i think last week we talked about them only go going over 300 yards one time and that was against vandy last week they were just pitiful against alabama it's hard not to feel like uh they've got a little quit in them at this point in the season i think they've had some COVID issues this week it's hard to get information out of their their locker room but um it's a complete stay away if you're going to touch it. Uh, I think I'm with Zach here. I know that one team can score. I know that one team can't. So I would lay the points if you have to bet it. But it's going to be sloppy. I, I expect Mullen to, to get in and, and get out. They don't need style points at this point. I, I think Florida just needs to win out um, and go play Bama. This is a game, you know, coming into the season, you probably kind of circled as maybe a decent game. I don't think anyone expected Kentucky's offense to be this bad. Their, their defense, honestly, has taken sort of a step back. But, you know, I'm not going to take much from the 63-3 to loss to, to Alabama, but to say that they just didn't really care to show up. And then you look at their last games, their last three games that don't involve um, a, a team named, named Vanderbilt, I mean, they scored 3-3-10. and 10. So I, I think that Florida's probably going to run them here. I think you'd probably be – Safe taking the under, but I could see like a 45 to 10, 45 to 7. I just don't think that – I mean, Florida can throw it in neutral, and they literally can't stop scoring at certain teams. I think that was that was Alabama's problem last week is they, they threw it in neutral early, 
And then it's just they're that much better than Kentucky. And when Kentucky's going three and out and giving you the ball right back, it's it, you know it, it's difficult not to score there. Uh, all right, the next game, uh, and I'm, this game kind of frustrates me because I think the SEC took the only decent matchup of the week, the battle for Tennessee. They took it away from us uh, and gave Vanderbilt Missouri this week. They're going on the road to Missouri. Uh, Missouri is anywhere from 13.5-point favorites all the way up to 15, and over-under is right around 51, 51 and a half. You said I can get it at 15? I mean, you can get it – actually, you can get it at 14 up to up to 15, yes. Up to 15 and a half. So depending on which side you want. Okay, let's see. Was it sportsbetting.com's got it at 22? That is that is the juice. So that's minus 13 and a half. The juice is going to be an extra oh, gotcha. okay. 12 cents. All right. So you see 15 and a half? Uh, yeah. If you're going to take Vanderbilt here. um, I'm debating on what I want to do here. I think because uh, this line started at 20 and I think that Vandy was going to that. That was when I was thinking about taking Vandy. I do think that I'm going to lean Missouri here just because that's, you know, it, depending on which one you look at, like, I think I'll take it at 10 or, uh, excuse me. Uh, what is it? 14 and a half. Yeah. I mean, that's two possessions. I can get it at 14 at DraftKings. That's just two scores. I, I think Ken Seals has actually gotten better as the year's gone on for Vandy, but they just don't have anything else. I don't, he can't throw everything to Cameron Johnson. Cameron Johnson can't score everything. Their defense is still atrocious. I mean, and, and this is a team that we're talking about that only uh, lost to Mississippi state by seven. And some people think that Mississippi State's going to hang with Ole Miss this weekend. So that's just mind blowing. So I'm going to, now I'm going to go Missouri. Yeah, this is probably just a function of my expectations for this team. But Vandy is actually not trash. I mean, they're trash, but they're not as bad as maybe we, we thought they were after the Ole Miss game. They're still playing hard. They are. And I don't know why, but they are. They haven't quit yet on, on this staff. And uh, their quarterback continues to improve. If he had any help around him, I would have locked in Vandy at this number. Um, Mizzou's had some difficulty scoring over the last few weeks. They put up a big yeah, number on uh, on LSU earlier in the season. I kind of stopped paying attention to Mizzou after that point and just assumed that they, their offense was pretty salty. It's actually not very good at all. I don't think they've scored more than 20 points in any of their last three games. So no, They've not scored more than 20 points all year yeah. outside of the LSU game. Yeah. 19, 12. Now they scored 45 against LSU. Uh, let's go 20 against Kentucky. Excuse me. 17 and 17. Yeah. So Mizzou, sneaky bad on offense, actually. Um and again, I think Vandy is seeing some signs here. Or seeing, they're, they're showing signs of life, rather. I don't think that they win the game outright, but that's a lot of points. I would take Vandy in the points, and I'm actually kind of intrigued with the total, so much so that I may loop back around and lock in the over there if it's still at 51, Nick. Um, because uh, Vandy, defensively, we know that they've struggled. I think – Mizzou's offense will probably come around against this Vandy defense. And I think Vandy lost their best defensive player this week who opted out. Um, so they didn't get any better and they haven't been good all year anyway. 51 is low for two trash teams who, get, you know, you're talking turnovers, sloppy special teams play. I don't think it's asking too much for both teams to get to the high 20s here. Um so if I can't find anything else on the card later, I'll, I'll come back and lock in that over fifty one. But yeah, give me the give me the points with Vandy. Obviously, not not a lock there, but uh, they're still fighting for for Mason for some reason. And uh, just as a side note here, they may trot out a women's soccer player to kick field goals for them. So you have the <laughs> added that. benefit of Very backing cool. that if you bet on this game. Yeah, oh, I, I I just now that I look at Missouri and and Vanderbilt's kind of profiles here i kind of want to do just a whole show on this game 
the no. the Missouri offense is 105 in in Ken Palm. That's I mean, excuse me, not in Ken Palm. I'm already already moved on to basketball here. No, in in, in Bill C's numbers, I mean, that's, that's terrible. Yeah, I, like you said, Austin. I, I watched them play LSU, who I guess his defense is just that bad. I watched them play LSU. They put up a ton of points, and I mean they're in the East, so there's not a lot of crossover teams I watch a lot. And I just kind of thought, and that's who they were. They they scored they scored some points. It's actually their defense that's kind of kept them in some games. I mean their defense is you know beat South Carolina seventeen ten defense beat Kentucky twenty to ten. I look at their numbers offensively; they're worse than MSU. They only have six total receiving touchdowns this season. I, I mean. Now they've only played six games. I guess you could, you know, that's that that's a little bit of a a knock on on their their numbers. I mean, six receiving touchdowns is is bizarre to me. Their leading wide receiver has two hundred and forty three yards on the year. Yeah. Uh, now they don't throw the ball a ton. Larry Roundtree's good, but he's only at four ninety rushing through six games. It's not like he's tearing the world up. But it, all that said, Vanderbilt is secure for the common offense. I mean that that defense could not do anything at all again when I watched them play on Miss and I, and I get on Miss is a good offense but I mean every single play was 8, 10, 12, 15 yards it was Ole Miss was I think at one point in the game was averaging a first down on the ground every time they touched the ball I think the over is a good play here I take Vanderbilt though just because I don't think Missouri is capable of running away from anyone I mean their closest you know their, their biggest margin all year you know, win was seven points or was 10 points. So I don't think they're going to do that against Vanderbilt. All right, moving on to, let's see, to the West here. We've got uh, Auburn versus Alabama. We'll go ahead and jump in that. And that line has moved to, let's see, Auburn plus, excuse me, Alabama minus 24 and a half. And that over-under is sitting around 62, have plus or minus a point. Alabama lay the points. No, no further analysis necessary. I, I don't need it. I I don't think it matters if Lane uh, if Lane if Nick Saban's on the sideline or not. I, offense is too good. Auburn's not good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, certainly I don't think, think it matters. I think Bama benefited earlier this year when Saban was and you know expected to be out against Georgia. I think they probably prepped a scenario where Sarkeesian or someone else is gonna was gonna be the head guy for that game. So Bam was already done it once or at least prepared to do it once without Saban. I think that's certainly an advantage. And again, we we talked about uh, even back then, whether it was a huge disadvantage for Nick Saban not to be on the sidelines, I don't think it is. I don't think it really matters. Saban is a program builder and a CEO, but in terms of X's and O's and in-game strategy, I don't think Saban really has much of a role. So I don't think it should affect the line at all. It doesn't. It doesn't appear to have affected the line, right, Nick? It's holding pretty steady at twenty-four and a half. So yeah, that's right. That's right. It hadn't moved it. I don't think it's moved at all. Yeah. If anything, it's gone to Alabama a half a point. So Bama's got revenge, you know, for, for last year's game, obviously, uh, you know, Auburn always does seem to find a way, but this year it just feels a little different for me. Auburn doesn't really have the weapons that they've had uh, in years past. And especially on the defensive side of the ball, they don't have that defensive front seven um, that we've seen in years past that was, that's able to stonewall Alabama or at least keep them competitive. And I think Auburn's running back, freshman running back Tank Bigsby, I think he's still up in the air. Status is still questionable for the game Saturday. If they don't have him, I mean, that he's one of their major weapons in addition to Seth, Seth Williams. They're going to have to score points because they're not stopping Bama. I think Bama comfortably gets into the 40s, maybe high 40s and low 50s. I don't see Auburn getting out of the 20s. I'm thinking with Zach here, it's a big number, especially in this rivalry, which is is crazy competitive most years. But I think this, this is one year where Bama just runs away with it. Yeah, I'm looking here at what Alabama's done against the spread this year. And I, we talked – at length about their not covering against Missouri early in the season that Missouri scored the very last play of the game uh, down there at Missouri to cover 
I think it was a 25-point spread or 24-point spread, and they ended up losing by 19. Since then, Alabama has covered against a and I don't believe they covered at Ole Miss. Uh, they covered easily against Georgia, easily against Tennessee. Uh, yeah, this is this is Alabama. Um, they've yeah. covered easily against the forty-one nothing against MSU, and then they covered last week. You know, beat Kentucky by sixty. What makes you think they're not going to cover this week? There's no way they're not, they don't break into the forties. Auburn's defense not good enough. It's certainly not better than Georgia. And I mean, it was forty-one points for Georgia, and it's probably because Alabama sort of threw it in neutral there towards the end. I think this is it's more likely Alabama gets fifty than they stay below forty. And I do not believe that Auburn's going to break 30. I just, I don't, if anything, Saban being out might galvanize the team. <clears throat> I don't think it's going to make it make much of a difference. Uh, if that line stays at 24, I, I mean, I'd almost lock it in. I think this is a beat down. I think this is, we're looking at like 54 to 24, 54, maybe 27. But like I said, I don't see Auburn breaking 30. So I, that's, that's like, and it's another game. It's another crappy game. I mean, we just got a, a whole list of them here. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and touch on a game here, and I'll just tell you guys, I am very seriously consider locking in Texas A&M minus 14 and a half. I don't – do you see that anywhere down – if it got down to 14, I'd feel better about it, Austin. But, I mean, Texas A&M is going to absolutely run LSU after what's happened the last couple of years. They're on a revenge tour this week, and I don't see – LSU stopping them much, if at all. Everybody has it at 14 and a half. Circa has it at 15 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's 14 and a half, I, I don't think I'm going to lock it in just yet unless I can't find anything better, but that's a good game. I feel pretty strongly about. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm with you there. Nick. Go ahead, Zach. Yeah. LSU's not good. Um, they got lucky last week. They were fortunate that Arkansas is still a couple players away, and um, they were able to just kind of out-athlete the Hogs at a couple positions. <sighs> Dude, it's – um, I think A&M wins comfortably here. I'm not – like Nick said, I definitely won't lock it in um, just because Jimbo kind of likes to play with his food a little bit and doesn't – he's kind of got some – some Dan Mullen in him where he coaches not to lose sometimes in big games. Um, LSU just doesn't have the horses and they're not going to win this. So A&M easily here. Yeah. Nick mentioned the bad blood. And I think that that's, that's one, I think that's one reason to justify laying that number, that 14 and a half. It is a big number. Obviously it's across that key number of 14, but I, look, I, guys, and tell me if you disagree with this. I think with the recent playoff ranking, but last night and and A and M sitting right there on the outside looking in, they probably need to win convincingly from here on out because they don't really have many impressive mm-hmm. games left on the schedule. Um, I guess outside of this LSU game, maybe Auburn is the best team left for them to get a win against. So against mediocre teams like LSU, Jimbo needs to run it up. Well, you know, ten point wins aren't going to get it done. And I think he's already inclined to run it up uh, just with the the nature of this rivalry over the last few years. Um, You know, I hate backing Kellen Mond and laying multiple scores with him, but, you know, rarely in SEC play, Mond might actually be, you know, the the far superior quarterback in this matchup. Um, LSU's freshman, you know, struggled last week against Arkansas, did not look great at times. LSU's offense is just unimaginative. Um, they don't have the horses that they've had in years past. I think that's obvious. So I think A&M's roster is probably better right now than, than LSU's roster. I think A&M's coaching staff is probably better. They need the game more. They're going to be motivated. Uh, it's a big number, but it feels like an ass-whipping for the Aggies. Yeah, and that LSU, I was just looking to build C stuff. He has them in a 10% win, win expectancy last week against Arkansas. So whatever you know, his his computer saw did not like what they what they saw out of the Tigers in Fayetteville last week. I mean, it, it kind of seemed like honestly, it seemed like Arkansas dominated the game from the middle of the second quarter on, and then somehow LSU won. I guess that's just what they do. But this is Mond is significantly better than Finley. Finley at times looks, I don't know, a little confused back there. I mean, he definitely doesn't seem ready for the big time. And Texas A&M's defense has been, you know, pretty good. I think. 
Yeah, I think LSU struggles to score. Like you said, A&M's defense has kind of been unheralded, uh, or at least I haven't seen much praise for them conference right now. Granted, they, they've been off for a couple of weeks, and they had a rough outing against Florida early in the season. But everybody's defense has looked uh, pretty average against Florida. I think A&M's front seven is, is pretty salty. LSU's probably not going to be able to run the ball. And if they have to put the game in the hands of that freshman quarterback, it could get it could get ugly quickly. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Zach, please tell me why. Give me one reason, please, why anyone would want to watch Georgia at South Carolina. Uh, Georgia is favored. Uh, it looks like a pretty consistent 21 and a half in this game. Mm. Why Can are Georgia they, beat anybody by 21 at this point? I was going to say, what what makes them put that number up there? Yeah. I do think I think you're going to see a little bit of a dead cat bounce out of South Carolina. Did not see it last week. I do think that you're you're at some point going to see them kind of go out, not win one for the Gipper because Muschamp's already gone. But I think you're going to kind of see them come out and, and I don't know play for each other. Uh, they, like I said, ten points last week against Missouri was bad. But I do think at some point maybe these guys don't hate each other, and you know this is a home game, their last opportunity to you know, play together on that field probably for a lot of those guys. So, you know, if you're you're giving me 21 points for the home team, and I've seen what I've seen out of that Georgia offense, and I don't think it's a ton. And the Georgia defense probably not quite as good as we thought coming into the season, or at least early in the season. I'd take the points, but I certainly wouldn't watch this game. Yeah, I – this, this is a weird line. I think South Carolina covers just because I don't think Georgia is that good. I don't think they score enough. And I think South Carolina will have enough fight in them in a rivalry game to put up a I, – I thought Luke Doty played pretty well last week in some spots for a true freshman. He's got a little spunk to him. I think they'll find something to to keep it close. And um, I, I it's mostly just because I just don't think Georgia's good. Yeah, I, I don't think Georgia is, is good either. Um, but JT Daniels did – you know, finally bring a spark to that offense that they didn't have or haven't had for the whole season. Interestingly enough, though, it looked to me like last week against State anyway, their defense had finally had enough of carrying the team and just decided to take the night off. Now, you know, they were probably entitled to it after the work they've done all year for that team. They've carried Georgia throughout the season. But, um, you know, if, if their defense doesn't show up again, not that South Carolina has a prolific offense, but things could get a little interesting. Um, you know, had Muschamp still been at South Carolina, obviously he would have been highly motivated in this game. But uh, people forget, or at least I did, Bobo, also Georgia guy, and he's now the interim. So the team, South Carolina's probably going to be sky high for this one. After one quarter, that may not matter. Georgia may punch him in the mouth and it may be over by halftime. But I, I'm kind of with Nick here. It, that's a lot of points. And it's a lot of points with a team in Georgia that doesn't have a ton to play for at this point, that had national title aspirations. Um, and those have been, you know, extinguished. And, and, and really, there's no way to claw back into the national title picture. So, um, you know, I don't see what I don't see a motivated Georgia effort at all. I think there's the potential for South Carolina to get up for it. So if I've got to bet it, I'm taking the points, but uh, I'm not going to touch it. All right, final one. Um, you know, this is obviously the Ole Miss game here. So it, it, the line opened at it opened at what twelve and a half. Yeah, it opened at Ole Miss minus 12. It's down to Ole Miss pretty much across the board minus nine and a half. And that over-under is um, at 69. Nice. Half a point, plus or minus. So this is the Egg Bowl? This is the it's a battle for the Golden Egg. All right, so let's take our break, and we'll come back, and we'll kick things off with the Egg Bowl before we get into our locks. we gotta got to get this break in, so hang tight when we come back. How's that for a teaser? When we come back, we'll have the uh, the Egg Bowl picks for you. So quick word from the sponsors, and then we'll be back. Hang on. It's Zach again. Podcast Rebellion. 
to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments, part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford... If you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something. The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis, and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome, has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station bourbon a very small batch high rye bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that healing station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And as always, OD encourages you to share a sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here, Podcast Rebellion Legal Gambling Council. All right, so we were about to jump into it, cut Nick off so we could get the sponsors' take on here. Uh, let them let you know what they've got going on. But all right, let's let's jump back into it. Let us know the line and the total one more time, and then let's get it going. All right, started off on Miss minus twelve and sixty five and a half, and it's bet down to Ole Miss minus nine. Uh, you get the over under anywhere from sixty eight and a half all the way up to sixty nine and a half. So I'm going to go first here, and I'm just going to keep it brief. I think that uh, I think this game is going to be similar to the South Carolina game um, early, back and forth, 
teams are kind of getting settled in. I, I'm not going to get fooled here by uh, I'm, by the line. I'm not going to get fooled by a trophy. I'm not going to get fooled by uh, the mystique of a rivalry. I think that Ole Miss is the far better team. Uh, Mississippi State has a true freshman quarterback that is still very green and still learning. They don't have a running back that I think has over 80 yards rushing for the year. Um, their receivers aren't good. The defense is 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 okay. Um, Errol Thompson's a really good player. They they're okay in spots, but Ole Miss is an elite offense. Matt Corral and Elijah Moore, Kenny Aboa, Jerry Neely, Snoop Connor. I mean, hell, even Braylon Sanders and Dontario Drummond have gotten into uh, gotten in on the act the last couple of weeks. I just think there's just too much offense, and I, I don't think State's offense can keep up in the shootout. Um, Ole Miss's defense is bad, but I don't think they're that bad to let somebody like Will Rogers dink and dunk all the way down the field. I think he's bound to make some kind of mistake. Ole Miss is bound to create a turnover, uh, at least get to the quarterback a couple times. I think this is a comfortable win for Ole Miss. They kind of settle in um, somewhere late second quarter, early third, and just kind of do what they do. And and that's when your offense is that much better than the other team's offense and defense, you just kind of chip away, chip away, and then go for the kill. I think this is somewhere around a 17, 20 point win for Ole Miss. And uh, I think Matt Corral and Elijah Moore put on a show. All right. I watched a lot of state's game against Georgia last week and they looked, you know, as impressive as they had looked since week one against LSU. But um, the way they did it was it was they didn't have the same type of success that they had against LSU, where KJ Costello was carving up that LSU defense, taking shots downfield. Um, it felt like every other every other throw in that game. Saturday against Georgia, Will Rogers dinked and dunked his way down the field. He had 41 completions on 52 attempts, but I I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I would guess his average completion was under like eight yards seven yards um and i i just felt watching that game that georgia would have benefited a lot from having a dude that could tackle underneath in space and track running backs out of the backfield a dude like otis reese would probably have helped georgia's defense out quite a bit um so otis is now active and eligible and ready to go for Ole miss i mean one man is not gonna is not gonna totally turn our defense to around that yeah, so uh, I don't think he turns our defense around. He doesn't make us into a, 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 a an even a good unit all of a sudden. But I think you can count on him to shut down that intermediate and underneath passing game or at least limit State's effectiveness there. Um, and then, look, I, I think we're going to we're going to do what I felt like Georgia neglected to do for for long stretches of that game, which is just be disciplined on defense, sit back, drop eight rather than trying to get cute and send exotic blitz packages after Rogers. I think we need to do what every other team that has shut state down did, which is just be patient and uh, prevent the big play, keep everything in front of you and make tackles in space. I think we also should get Stanley back this week. Who I don't believe played against South Carolina, another you know athlete that will come up and hit you in space. Um, so I think that'll be huge. I also, the fact that Ole Miss was off um, with the COVID buy after A&M ducked us, uh, I think that's huge. You know, we, we predicted that Lebby and Kiffin would be in their bag against South Carolina, and then we come out with Elijah Moore in the backfield, and um, we threw a wrinkle in that nobody had seen. I expect the same thing to happen this week against State. I think Lebby and Kiffin are going to have some packages that we haven't even seen yet. I think uh, Parrish is going to go off. Uh, I, I think we're going to get looks out of guys that we haven't seen in a while. Mingo probably is going to be back in action. Uh, Zach, I think you predicted earlier in the week that Mingo might have a Kentucky-like performance. I think that's certainly possible. Possible. He's a Mississippi kid. This game will mean a lot to him. Um, same for Jerry Neely, Mississippi kid. This game will mean a lot to him. I, we have more playmakers than they do top to bottom on the roster. Their defense is better than ours. No question about that. But um, I just don't think they can get in a shootout with us and keep up. If we can dictate the pace, turn the game into a tennis match like we've done all year, I think Ole Miss wins and covers. Uh, on the other hand, you know, if Rodgers is allowed to dink and dunk down the field and State can control the ball and time of possession, 
you know, they're going to try to grind out a W. We're going to have to limit our turnovers. We're going to have to uh, play a pretty clean game on offense to maximize, you know, efficiency when we get the ball. Um, I think Lane Kiffin and company can turn this into a shootout. Again, we've been successful doing that against most teams this year. So I think the Rebels win. I think the Rebels cover. And I loved the over when it opened at 65. It's crept up now a little high for me. But uh, if I'm banking on Ole Miss to win, we've got to get in the 40s, in my opinion. So I think 42, 45 to 33-ish, and uh, we win and cover. So looking back at the MSU's, I don't know, our earlier season schedule, I mean, they've, they've broken 24 points exactly one time. Uh, and that was a week one win at LSU. And I, like I said, I think teams are playing MSU differently, uh, you know, defensively, obviously. And, and since then, I mean, 24 is their high. This, that's a that's a number you'd, you'd see out of, you know, the, the 1990 MSU team, not the 2020 MSU team. That is a very, very low number for an SEC team not named Vanderbilt uh, to, to not be able to break. I mean, that is just – that's abysmal offensively. And I know they face, you know, Georgia is a pretty decent team. Uh, Texas A&M, Alabama, but I mean, Vanderbilt's in there, Kentucky's in there, Arkansas's in there, you know, teams that aren't super talented defensively, you know, maybe their scheme is better, but that offense is bad. And the more I think about it, the more I think, you know, as much as I hate to predict the Egg Bowl because anything can happen and it's one of the least, you know, predictable games out there, I just don't know that they're going to be able to score, put up the points. I think I'm going to take MSU to cover just because I do think that they're going to be able to hang with Ole Miss a little bit. But I don't think it's going to quite – I think if you can get that over-under above 70 and, you know, we've still got 48 hours until kick or more, I think it's going to reach it. I think you go ahead and grab the under. I think it, we're going to see like a 38-31, uh, maybe a, maybe 41, 41-30 type game, kind of right on the number. Again, if my predictions probably 38-31, I just think Otis Richie is going to have a little bit of help back there um, added to the defense. But, I mean, I watched this against South Carolina, and it seems like teams are still pretty effective at what they do no matter what they do against us. So I think MSU is going to be able to you know to move the ball a little bit, but I don't think they're going to be able to, to, to break into the 40s. And I think that – I mean, I watched them against Georgia. I think they at one point they had a – a seven-and-a-half-minute touchdown drive just because they did dink and dunk down the field. And I think they might do that a couple times and shorten the game a little bit. So I'll take 38-31. MSU covers. Uh, it's not super close, but I think it's going to stay under that number of 69-and-a-half. And once it gets above 70, I go ahead and lock Hmm. Well, that's certainly a way to think. Um, I wouldn't say I agree with it, but <laughs> – um, Austin, I also predicted that Elijah Moore breaks AJ Brown's receptions record in this game. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. How many does he need? 12? Yeah, 12 for the record. I'd love it. Yeah, I think this team's. I just think uh, MSU is going to be able to slow it down just enough to keep, yeah. the, to keep the score a little lower. And, and not necessarily they're going to stop Ole Miss, but I mean, that's still scoring five touchdowns and a field goal. So, you know, that's six touchdowns. If you take Ole Miss from having the ball 12 times and you bump it down to 10 or 11, you know, the math gets a little closer, I suppose. Yeah, I just I – man, I just don't see how they're even remotely going to be able to keep pace. I There's no way. Like, I, I they, they, they don't have playmakers. I know the Ole Miss defense is bad, but they're not that bad. Look at the comparison. You know, I, hell, I'd say Cam Johnson at Vandy is a better player than anybody State has on offense. And they were able to, you know, neutralize them and run away with it. I mean, that's kind of what we're looking at here. I mean, hell, State only beat Vandy by seven. So <sighs> let's just let's just move on to our locks. Because um, I know you're you're bullish on this being closer than the experts think or just closer than people think i i don't know i i just i i don't see it i i keep telling people you got to remember matt luke is no longer the coach so there's going to be some actual adjustments and some game planning 
being done. Yeah, I mean, one thing is to Zach, our offense just puts so much pressure on the other team's offense to execute perfectly every time they get the ball. Because you feel like, I think when you're playing Lane Kiffin's offense, that if you punt once or twice, the game's over. Because mm-hmm. we're not going to punt once or twice. I mean, we're, we're going to put up numbers. So um, Corral versus a freshman there, you know, obviously that's heavily in our favor. I'm with you. I, look, I, I, I take Nick's point. I mean, if uh, State could shorten the game like that against Georgia, it's certainly possible they do it against us. But State played a pretty clean game. And again, probably their best performance of the season outside of that LSU game right out of the gate. So anything short of that, and I think we turn it into a track meet and just run away with it. All right, we ready to jump into some locks? Yep, we've got uh, no locks in. So, Zach, you want to start us off? Yeah, I can do that. Uh, So, right now, I'm seeing... uh, 12.5 at sportsbetting.com. Yeah, I believe... Are you seeing that too, Nick? For the Civil War, Oregon, Oregon State... Uh, no, that's a, that's like a juice line. I'm seeing 13 and a half. Okay. Why is this thing so fucking hard to read? 13 and a half. Who cares? Lay the points. Oregon, Oregon state sucks. Um, I think Oregon's going to come out looking to, uh, really make a statement this week. Um, didn't you get burned on the ducks last week? I did. And I was going to (laughs) say, I think it was kind of a bummer. Uh, win, if you can call it that. I mean, a three-point win over UCLA. I think they're coming out. I don't think this game has even been remotely close in years. And I expect Oregon big here. I think uh, Mario Cristobal and the Ducks move to 4-0 comfortably. All right. I'm going to go ahead, and I, I don't I don't know what this, this number is doing here. Uh, Colorado is, is playing... I don't know. Maybe they're kind of good. Their offense seems sort of good. Now they're going on the road. They're going to Southern Cal. Uh, they're going to get this game in early because I know they've got that 9 o'clock curfew in the state of California. Uh, they actually legitimately had to move uh, one of the games next week up from a 7 o'clock kick to a 4 o'clock kick to make sure that they would they would finish in time. But I, I don't know what Southern Cal has done to make you think that they're going to beat a team by two, by two touchdowns. And if I'm going to be able to get, uh, let's see, 11 and a half points, uh, at Bet MGM, I'm going to do it. I, I just think that I mean, I I think if you really wanted to get frisky, you might put a couple dollars on Colorado outright. I like it. I just saw too. I think USC's had some COVID issues crop up just today, oh. so they're going to have some guys out from contact tracing as well as a, a positive test. So I like it. All right. God, we were talking before the pod started. I'm not a fan of the card. I know I've said that now like three weeks in a row maybe, but um, let's just go dumpster diving right off the bat. Uh, What is the Michigan-Penn State number? Oh, good Lord. Mm. Uh, You can get it at Michigan uh, anywhere from uh, two to two and a half, depending on who you want. And Michigan's favorite. Yeah. You know what? I, I may save it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm gonna. Uh, let's stay in the dumpster though. TCU visits Lawrence, Kansas this week, Oof. and they're laying 24. Um, Kansas is awful. Their season has been over for like two months already. Uh, TCU has been off. I think they had a COVID buy and then just a regular old buy. So I think Gary Patterson can rally the troops to uh, at least put 35 or 40 on the board. I think that will that's more than enough to cover 24. Let me lay 24 with TCU. Mm. All right, moving right along. I'm going to go ahead and jump in. Nick, I'm seeing it at – are you seeing it as low as minus 10 SMU or is it still 11 and a half? Let's see, SMU. Oh, Southern Methodist. Yeah, you got to type. Yes. Um, it's very. This is very proper here. A very proper sports book. I'm seeing it. 
Actually, just 12 and a half or 12. Okay, 12 it is. SMU minus 12, lay them. Yeah, that's a good bet. That's a good bet. Uh, all right. I don't know if you guys watched the college football playoff rankings being revealed on Tuesday night, but I have to think Ohio State didn't love where they were put. Yeah, yeah, I caught that one on Twitter. I have to think that Ohio State did not like being ranked all the way down at four. They were, I guess, penalized for not, you know, beating the brakes off of Indiana, even though their offense was pretty good. Uh, The defense didn't show up a ton. I do think that Illinois is going to be – they're just in the way. It's not – that Illinois did anything to Ohio State to piss them off. It's that Illinois just happens to be the opponent uh, a week after Ohio State needs to come out and kind of show something to the committee, show that that defense is probably better than it looked last week. So uh, it's dropped under the key number of 28. You can get it 27.5, I think, at DraftKings. And I'm going to go ahead and lock that in. I, they're going to be the breaks off of them. You could see it like – I could see 53-3, to 53-10. to 10. I think this is going to be a beatdown. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, I agree. All the motivation in the world to put up a huge number. I think they'll get it done this week. Um, what is the number with Northwestern and Michigan State? Can I get a 14 on Sparty? I need to, good Lord. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I can't do it for you. I can do the over-under at 41. Yeah, yeah, I can't touch that. Can't touch that. If I could get if I could get two touchdowns with Sparty, Northwestern coming off a big win, um, turned Wisconsin over five times in route to a win there. So uh, I just don't trust them to turn over Sparty five times. Although Sparty is a really bad football team, so I'll stay away from it. Though let's uh, let's go to the total in the Nebraska and Iowa game. Is it fifty three and a half? Mm-hmm. Let's go under, under? fifty three and a half. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, under, the, the, yeah. Under fifty three and a half. The Huskers are garbage. Um, they lost to Illinois last week at home. Uh, Scott Frost is almost certainly on the hot seat at this point. Iowa's actually pretty damn good, and they're they play Iowa football. They're going to ground and pound Nebraska. I see this being like you know forty two to ten. I, I, it may be close, but I don't think Nebraska puts up. Um, 20, I think Iowa stays mid, mid to high thirties. Hopefully the weather helps me out too. So, uh, under. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and jump in for you, Zach, because I want to, I want to also touch on this game. I don't know if it's because the, the under is just sort of low, but I don't, this is giving way too much respect to a Nebraska team that sure looks like they're yeah. with. Well, so yeah, they're, they're just the not side, good. Not so side. even if they haven't quit, yeah, they're, they're not good. Yeah. That's a lethal combination of not caring and also not being very good. And I, I, this is way too respectful to Nebraska. And, I, and I'm getting it 13 and a half under that big key number. So, you know, you said it, Austin, 42 to 10. I, I, I really think we're going to see something like that. I think you're going to see Iowa in the 30s. And I think you're going to see Nebraska in the teens. So, I mean, unless it's 33 to, you know, to, to you know, 32 to 19. It's a cover for Iowa, so I'm taking Iowa minus minus thirty. Look, as we saw last week after Illinois beat Nebraska and tweeted, you know, the the infamous tweet about bringing the Big Ten back, other Big Ten teams are relishing the opportunity to beat Nebraska's ass. So that also helps here, too. I mean, I think teams like shutting down Scott Frost, like rubbing his nose in it. As they should. Absolutely. He deserves it. All right, um, so Austin's got two. Um, Nick, you got your third. Oh, that's my third. It's taking okay. Iowa minus third. Uh, so mine, real quick. Can I get Indiana at uh, minus eleven and a half? Is that what I'm seeing? Uh, yeah, you can get them at you can get them at minus eleven if that's there what you go. want. Minus eleven Hoosiers. Uh, I think they. Uh, I think Tom Allen. And the folks will be able to have them ready to bounce back. And Maryland uh, sucks. Um, so I think, Austin, you've got one more, correct? That's right. Okay. So after that, we will definitely won't forget to throw Ben's three out there before we close. So, Austin, take us home. Okay. All right. This is a weird one. Ben mentioned it offline in our uh, group text. Uh, let's go to Louisville Boston College. Boston College laying a short number of one 
Give me Boston College minus one. Louisville's had a running back opt out over the last couple of weeks. Scott Satterfield is having to answer questions, or at least feels like he has to answer questions about the South Carolina job. I don't know if he's even a legit candidate, but Scott Satterfield thinks he is. So um, give me Boston College, a team with a little more to play for in year one, more continuity, fewer opt outs, and a better quarterback. So, uh, Awesome. What if I could give them to you, Boston College, pick them. That's even better. Sports. Boom. Yeah. Locking that pick. I think that's, that's a great bet. I, Boston College is a sneaky, not bad team. Are, yeah. are, are Boston College, are, are they still guys being dudes, even though Steve Adazio isn't there anymore? Absolutely. But they're doing it with offense this, this year. So yeah. Okay. Uh, so before we close the three locks from Mr. Woodhouse, Utah plus seven, Ole Miss minus nine and a half and Notre Dame minus five. Is is it still at five for Notre Dame? Uh, yeah, actually. Yeah, it's at five. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. There you have it. Uh, so we're going to bounce back uh, again this week. Went six and six last week. So we're getting back to uh, our roots here. Um, had, a, had a couple clunkers last week, but uh, yeah, Oregon let us down. Arkansas let us down. Wisconsin let us down. Uh, if you just want to tell Zach and, and Austin's picks this year, you'd be 39 and 26. You'd be well over and I, I'm not quite in fade territory and neither is Ben though we're, he's a little closer but if you just want to hear Zach and Ben Zach and Austin excuse me gonna be 39 26 and 1 and that is that's taking the book Nick we know what you're doing here with the jinx I know what you're doing <laughs> I can't jinx Zach I, I, I mean I look at his numbers it's all great mm-hmm. he had the only week he hasn't won two games uh, I believe all season or since week six, it was because one of them was uh, it yeah. didn't happen. I mean, the, the guy's <laughs> on a heater. Foul. Yeah. So now I'm definitely going 0 and 3. Uh, so, so that's going to do it for Legal Gambling Council Week 13, Holiday Edition Part 1. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, hope everybody's staying safe out there, safe travels, uh, just safe in general as uh, we're still dealing with the COVID 19 pandemic. Uh, so be smart, be safe. And uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving. So for Austin, for Nick, I'm Zach. And for Ben, even though he's not here, he gave us his locks. Uh, This has been Podcast Rebellion. Thank you all for listening. We are out. 